DJ and PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. It's time now to spend a few minutes, moments remembering me, love. PK, he was 74. 74, yeah, wow. That's young, I guess. If you're uh, wanting to live and you don't get a chance at 74, I guess uh, it puts perspective there. For some, it's a lot <laughs> if you'll die earlier. But, yeah, Meatloaf, he made his mark. Absolutely. All right, here we go, PK. Are you ready for this again? Yeah, absolutely. The, the Jazz against a team they should beat. Yeah, I look forward to another defeat. <laughs> Just recalibrate the expectations. <laughs> and watching the Suns, you know, they're without eight and they go into Dallas. Dallas is hot. And the Suns do what they do. They win again. What are they, like 35 and nine? Wow, man, I just didn't see they would be this good. This is incredible. To where they were just two years, this time two years ago, to where they are today, I'm not sure we've ever seen this in the NBA. We probably have. I can't remember it. Uh, so that best record in the league, it seems like that is a gonzo. The Jazz need, just need to get back out of the winning stretch and play good ball. And, and forget about this idea of game 70. You know, I'm done with that right now. When you've lost this many in such a short span of time, the idea of playing your best ball in Game 70 seems so far away that it doesn't even seem possible. I want to see you start winning games now. I don't need you to play your ultimate, ultimate best, but you need to start winning games against the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> you spit that out. The Detroit Pistons 11-33, and 33, winning a quarter of their games. They're on pace to be a 20-win team. Let that yeah. sink in. They can't lose twice to a 20-win team. Well, okay, they could. They shouldn't lose twice to a 20-win team. No, you shouldn't. You know, and look at the West, man. You've got the Warriors still doing their thing, and they're sort of banged up a little bit with Draymond Green out. The Suns we just spoke about with Aiton, and Memphis is rolling. Uh, Jokic is looking like a latter-day Wilt Chamberlain. I saw and, that. I saw that stat. The Elias Sports Bureau, no baseball, so they're digging up basketball stuff. And I didn't see the stat. What is the stat? Three straight games with a triple-double and 55% shooting. Wilt yeah, is the only other player who's done that, and he had a six-game run like that in 1968. ESPN Stats and Info. Tweeting that out. Oh, honestly, I didn't see that stat. I just the, his. Numbers, I thought you did. I thought I you were just looking at your phone. It came out uh, no, eight minutes ago. No, I did not. I did not see that stat. But I mean, I just look. I look at box scores, obviously, and see right. highlights. Yeah, and, and he's so just he, gone off. He is just. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he's the MVP, and he's like, yeah, that's not good enough. I I have to be better than that, and he is. It's awesome. It's impressive, yeah. and I'm a basketball fan first. Uh, and uh, that stuff really, uh, I enjoy that. I want to see the best of the best play at their best, and that's what you're seeing with Jokic. You have to just give it to them, right? So you look at Denver, if they get some of their guys back, they're going to be dangerous, man, and you want the Jazz to be in the mix. We all do. You got to get going now, and I, I don't want after the game, well, you know, we left too many guys open for three. No, I don't want to hear that anymore. I want to hear, wow, we really guarded the three well. We took the most efficient shots. We looked very good at blah, 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 blah. I'm tired of the losing, and I'm sure they are too. It's three and seven now in their last ten games, and two of the three wins are over Denver. 
They had an epic seven-game playoff series in the bubble. It was a bizarro environment, but it was really competitive basketball. And they know how good the Joker is, and they respect him because everybody respects what he's doing over these last couple of years. So they get up for those games. And I'm having a hard time thinking it's anything other than that. Well, it's also something else. I think you're you're overlooking the fact that there are a rumble in the Rockies. It's like the Utes and the Buffaloes. Anytime teams from these two areas get together, it is no holds barred. It is Katie bar the door. It is good night, Irene. It is see you later, Sally. Honestly, I thought you were building up to something about RSL and the Rapids and the Rocky Mountain Cup, and you were going to take a shot at that. I'm a little disappointed you didn't. Well, because that is on another level. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> good. That's nice. Well played. <laughs> you can escape from anything. You made a great wrestler. You know, you're almost pinned, and then boom, it's an escape. One point for the escape. How did he do it? That would be such an embarrassment to put the Jazz and the Nuggets, the Buffs, and the Utes to put it on that level. <laughs> come, come, come on, man! I mean, Pablo Mastrioni right now is just nodding his head, saying, "You go, Thunderbird boy." <laughs> <laughs> is it Taco Bell or Jack in the Box? I always get confused. Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box. Okay, Jack in the Box. <laughs> I got meat at Taco Bell. Okay, <laughs> we have Taco Bell here in Utah. We do not have Jack in the Box here in Utah. <laughs> Well, we have it in Utah. We have it well, in St. George. Okay, you have to get down to the southern. <laughs> I grew up with state. both of them down there in San Diego. It's just all a blur after. Nobody a met at Taco Bell. Okay, all right. Jack in the box for you and you and Pablo. Although you know you're older than him, so you wouldn't have been hanging out with him. Hey, second grader, come here. We're going down. That's just weird. I found it awesome that he, who went to the same high school as me, also years later. They still hung out at that place. I mean, tradition. They keep the tradition going. That's what makes it beautiful. The names come and go, but the traditions remain. It's like the Masters. Do you have roundtable pizza? Did you have roundtable pizza? Because that's where we hung out at my school. Yes. Roundtable pizza. That was the place to go. Yes. We didn't have it out there, right, within a mile or so. I mean, it's jack-in-the-box. You could walk to it from, from our school. Yeah. Yeah, school was built out on the edge of the stick, so you couldn't really walk walk to anything at that point. It's grown up around it now. All right, so we got the uh, we got the Jazz, uh, the college basketball. How about uh, how about BYU grinding it out at home? USD was there at halftime. PK, fifteen minutes to go in the game, it was still even, and then BYU finds a way to get it done, and Troy just. <laughs> he's been. I know they lost a lot of their size, and I'm sure everybody wishes he was four inches taller, so he's more intimidating. But he doesn't doesn't give anything up. He'll still contest shots. He'll still block shots, and he just rebounds and scores another double double. Without him, I don't think they're in the position they're in. But he's 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 pretty steady here. He's he's providing he's providing uh, uh, good support. I mean, Barcelo can't do it by himself, and Troy's been there now multiple games. Doesn't he remind you of a shorter Zion in college? A little bit, yeah. I can see where you're going. And and in BYU history, I I keep going back. Undersized big men at BYU, which I guess is an oxymoron, but an undersized interior player. How about that? Was there anybody more surprising but more consistent than Keena Young? Yeah, I didn't really view him as a big man. I viewed him as a slasher. I don't don't think he was an interior player either. I viewed him as more of a slasher. Uh, I think uh, Triori is in in, in a whole other category. I I wouldn't put all by himself. Who else have I got then? Uh, Ken Roberts. 
That's going way back. I have not Ken heard of Roberts. Roberts in I don't know how. Long. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I've bumped into yeah, him every once in a while. The, the ex-players who stay in town, you just bump into him. And now it's been a long time. But he was working for the Forest Service, I think. You know who loved Ken Roberts? Who? Rick Majerus. Oh, really? I didn't know absolutely, that. Yeah, absolutely loved him because he said he was so fundamentally sound. He mm. set the picks the way you're supposed so to. So he was, he uh, he was BYU, you're supposed to. BYU's Alex Jensen? Is that where you're going? Probably, yeah. Uh, I think Alex was a, a tad bit more talented. But, right. but Majerus, and he recruited him because he's a local kid. I mean, of course, he stayed in town. He, he grew up in, in here. And I, I forget where to go to Bingham or something. I'm not, I don't remember. But I know Majerus always used to talk about him because obviously he loved the fundamentals of the game. I mean, he was a basketball purist through and through, clearly. And so he used to just praise Ken Roberts up and down. I'm sure if he was on his own team, he probably would rip him. That's the way he did it. <laughs> um, but he praised him every time they played him. And obviously they played him twice a year in those days and just loved his game, loved the fundamental aspect of the way he played the game, so mechanically sound. But to Triori, yeah. He's he's for 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 freshman, uh, undersized, you know, and it's and it's it, in a sense it's good that he's in this league because this league doesn't have a lot of size uh, going forward here in a couple of years uh, if they should wait for two another season. I heard rumblings maybe they could do it next year. That'd be awesome if they got in the Big Twelve next year, uh, but uh, you know it's going to be more difficult and they'll have more size then, so he won't be called upon to to be the uh, tough guy that he is now, the enforcer. He can maybe blossom uh, as far as having some help. But yeah, I mean, so they they struggled to win. But so so did UC Los Angeles. Yeah. Nick Cronin is walking up, waking up this morning. My gosh, we barely beat a team that hasn't won any games. That was no. a, yep. That was the story yeah. of all the in-state games. They're yeah. all close and competitive. But the teams that are good that have NCAA tournament resumes, they figure out a way in the last five minutes, two minutes, one minute, whatever it is, to make sure they win. And so if they've got a bunch of five and eight point wins, whatever, it's a win. Yeah, particularly on the road. Now, obviously, BYU is at home. Yeah. It's a different story. And the Bruins were on the road in the Huntsman Center. But, I mean, going back to Majerus, I covered those great teams, and they'd go over to the Air Force Academy yeah. and have to grind out some wins. And so you you, you just took them, uh, particularly on the road. As I say, it, it doesn't matter. So I was impressed. You, BYU found a way to win. And the, the Utes did exactly what I said they should do. What we were talking about yesterday is that I don't really care how many games they win. I know they do, and winning is like a million times better than losing. I get that. I fully understand that. But for them, I want to see them be competitive this year, particularly without Carlson. You know, he's a difference maker, right? He's not playing right now. And so they're shorthanded, literally and figuratively. So with that in mind, give me a competitive effort. That's what I'm looking for. I think that's what Craig Smith can sell to recruits as he tries to build this thing is that, hey, we're playing hard. And, and Mark Harlan looks at the, at the product and sees, hey, they're battling, man. They took a top-ranked team, I think, the, uh, what, the Bruins ranked ninth? Nine. And he, yeah, he took those guys, and they went right down to the wire, basically. Sure, they lost, and it stinks to lose, and they got a bunch of losses in a row. I get all that. But 
They found a way to be competitive. That's what I was looking for. So I've seen progress out of them here recently, even though it doesn't reflect in the win column. And ultimately, that's what you're judged by. But I think this season, you got you got to look deeper. You know, we're in year three or four. That's an entirely different story, but we're not. And a bunch of guys left. And it's a bunch of new guys that he brought in and all that stuff. And your best player, I, I would think they would agree that Carlson's our best player. He's out. And so you factor all those things in. And for the Cougars, just keep checking them off against these low-level West Coast Conference team and do, do what you need to do, right? So that's a couple of close wins that they've had, San Francisco and San Diego. But so what? I thought in the case of the Utes, to your point about Craig Smith and what he's got to sell, they lose that game and he's walking on the court, clapping, trying to pump his guys up. And they are absolutely in the moment. They look at the screboard and the shoulders slump and the heads go down and he's trying to fire them up. But they defended, they rebounded, they couldn't make shots. They couldn't make enough shots. And they had three possessions at the end and a charge probably just adrenaline in the moment. I mean, he was already giving the ball up to the wing. He could have done it a step or two earlier and pulled up and there had been no charge. You miss one of the two free throws and you miss a couple of three-pointers that could have tied the game. And in those last three possessions, I think those are the last three, maybe it's three of the last four, everything is right there for the taking and you just can't execute and make shots. That's the part of the game that you know everybody always wants to do. They're doing all the dirty work and the hard stuff. They're just not quite talented enough. And it's also tricky to do it in every night, and UCLA has taken everybody's best shot. And they got the youth's best shot and still got out with a win. So if you're UCLA or BYU, you just check the box, you got to win, and you move on to the next one. Well, those two teams, they looked at each other 45 miles apart and said to each other, yeah, we'll see each other in the Final Four. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) That would give us something to talk about. UCLA-BYU Final Four game. I thought it was cool last year just to have Western teams. It was like, Gonzaga, UCLA, great! Because so often the Final Four is a bunch of teams that we never see, we never hear about, and people have no emotional buy-in to whatsoever. None. Yeah, I mean, to, to a limited extent, we yeah. would if it's somebody in the Pac-12. Right. Uh, and then I think people in Provo, they wouldn't have any because it, it, it's on Big 12, Pac-12. So excited for when we get to that point. Yep. Well, and Baylor was in the winning it all in the Final Four last year, so had the Western flavor. Uh, you saw Justin Wilcox got a contract extension, right? Makes sense because that's why he walked away from the Oregon offer. Because that was the leverage to get whatever he needed at Cal. Contract for him, money for assistance, stuff for the program, whatever he wanted. Yeah, I don't know if it's 100%. I know it's been reported that he literally had an offer. He's an Oregon guy and played there and all that stuff. So I was surprised if that's the case, but that's what came out. But yeah, that's that's what he was doing. And I, I think, yeah, t- speaking of unfair judgments, as we had with Craig Smith, if you're going to judge him by his record this year, it seems a little unfair because of the circumstances. Well, if you're going to judge Justin Wilcox by his record <laughs> the last two years yeah. with COVID and the community there, there, I can argue, strongly argue, that there was not a program in America in terms of college football who was affected adversely more the last two years than the Cal Bears. 
That would be a pretty solid argument to make. The impact on them was massive. Yes. And the frustration was just through the roof. So now the question is, how does he get from uh, having a 500-ish team, maybe bowl eligible, but uh, get to the upper echelon? Because that division's been dominated by Oregon, Stanford, and, and Washington won it a couple times, three times, I guess. So how do they, how do they break through? Because Washington State, Oregon State, and Cal haven't gotten there. Washington State's at least had some good teams and been relatively close. So Yeah, well... Uh, as fresh as uh, last night when I was talking to somebody, a college coach out on the recruiting trail, and I was uh, telling him what I have planned to do this weekend. And his response to me was, yeah, great. Meanwhile, I'm traveling around the country chasing 16 and 17 year olds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're the one who wanted this job. Yeah, I didn't say all that, but I just <laughs> but you I, thought it. Well, I laughed. I mean, yeah, I thought, okay, yeah. I mean, that's the reality of the situation, right? It, that's the way to do it is find better players, get player. Now it's a little bit different now because of the portal. You can move up the age a little bit, but still, you know. And I guess there's a you know there's a fair amount of difference between a 16, 17 year old and a twenty and a twenty one year old. Those are uh, every couple of years of that age bracket. You're assumingly gaining far more maturity. We'll we'll have to ask coaches about this, but it seems like the portal is a shorter process, more analytical, less song and dance and nonsense. Building relationships with sixteen year olds. <laughs> Come on. But that but that's the I that's know. the essence. I know. You have to do that. I know, but doesn't the portal seem more business like? More, hey. Here's the depth chart. Here's where we think we fit. You fit in. It's how you run the offense, as opposed to flying all over the country and visiting everybody. I think you got to do both, though. You, and, and you in do. terms of rec- building your program, it's like what uh, Klyovkov was talking about when we had him on a week ago today. That you've got to do everything possible. And so, if you need to have shiny, clean locker rooms, have shiny, clean locker rooms. And if you need to have whatever it might be, that's what you need. Everything goes into this big pot in terms of making a successful football program. So, that's what Cal has to do. And you speak of the uh, transfer portal, keep an eye on USC because they are gaining talent. Now, we haven't had the big one yet. The big fish is still out there with the quarterback. As far as I know, he hasn't committed, uh, Williams. But they have been really knocking on the door, and I think they've been hitting some home runs there. And then there's Jackson Dart. What's he going to do, Yock? <laughs> What's he going to do, Yock? What's Jackson Dart going to do? What's he going to do? have not heard, but expected to hear something this weekend, hopefully. This weekend? Okay, I'll have an answer for you uh, by Tuesday at the latest. Do you believe the reports out of Mississippi that BYU is just for show and it's going to come down to Oklahoma and Ole Miss? That's convenient. They'd say that. I know, right? No, I don't, because then I also saw that Kiffin was bringing in JT Daniels. I was going to say, yeah, JT Daniels is visiting <laughs> Ole Miss. So, And do you trust so, Kiffin to stay at Ole Miss if you go there? And do you want to be at Ole Miss if he's not Yeah, there? but you can make that argument just about by everybody. I mean, that's where Whittingham can really knock it, knock it out of the park. He's not going anywhere, but now how long is he going to be there? Alabama, Nick Saban, Nick Saban's 70. So that stuff can be – you can fly around all over the place. 
DJ and PK, we have a family four-pack of tickets to see the Utah Stars home game against the Oklahoma City Blue. That is next Friday, a week from today. If you want to win those tickets, pick up the phone right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. And still to come today, we got tickets to give away to see the Jazz and their home game against the Phoenix Suns on Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. David Locke is going to join us next. PK, thanks for checking in. All right, see you guys. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Trevor Allen, of course, covers the youths for KSLSports.com. Talk about your reaction. Quinton Ganther getting the gig. I think it's a good thing for Utah. That was the only name that, that really came to mind as someone who could come in and, and really pick up with, with what Coach Mack did in his, in his time here at, at, at Utah, and that's to be able to, to continue to bring in top running back talent, develop the guys that are in here, and send them off to the NFL. And Quinton can do that. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 90. 975-1280 The Zone, powered by KSLSports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Homie. Finally, the way real estate should be, full service, local agents, and you will save thousands. Homie, a better way to buy or sell. Got a couple things breaking this morning. June Jones doing some interviews, throwing his hat in the ring for the vacant job at Hawaii. So all you Utah State fans, keep your eye on that. June Jones is 68 years old, and he left Hawaii after taking him to the Sugar Bowl, an undefeated regular season. They were the rare group of five team that just got annihilated in their BCS Bowl game. Georgia really crushed him. But it was a great season for Hawaii. He had a great run there and really embraced it. He's been off to SMU and the XFL and somewhere else. I can't remember. But uh, he is interested in going back to Hawaii, so he's throwing his name in the hat there. Penny Hardaway, former uh, Shaq teammate. Looked like he was going to have a great NBA career, but it got curtailed by injuries. And he's coaching at Memphis, and he's just about had it. If you haven't seen the rant, I can't quote the many words he used. But he was in Jerry Sloan mode there in front of the uh, microphones telling the media about what bleeping stories they can write and what bleeping stuff they shouldn't write and the bleeping injuries. And now people are going back at him with, oh, look at all the injuries Houston has. They've lost more starter games than you guys have, and they're 16-2. and two. And So Penny's, Penny's in a little bit of hot water. It's time now to talk Utah Jazz. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Joins us right now, David Locke's weekly appearance is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Hello, David. James, what's the best thing happening in your life right now? Talking to you. Well, that's a good answer, but you're full of crap! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, David, the Jazz are 3-7 and in the last 10. And I got this theory because they're 2-0 and against the Nuggets and 1-7 and against everybody else. And even I said that, even Joe Ingles went, because <laughs> you know what that means. They got focused for the Nuggets because they had a great playoff series with the Nuggets and the Joker won the MVP and everybody knows he's really good and they step up their game. And if they played at the level that beat Denver twice, they probably would have won a bunch of those other games. So how much of this is playing to the level of the competition, regardless of how shorthanded they are or aren't? And obviously, they've been very shorthanded in, in this stretch of games. Yeah, I'm not going there. Really? Yep. I'm a little surprised. Why not? Um, they played four games without Rudy Gobert. And Rudy Gobert is like the most impactful player in the sure. NBA. Yep. But they could have beat Detroit without him. 
I don't think they should be going undefeated without Rudy. I get it. It's a big loss, and you can't replace him. So, I mean, like, how worried are you about the Warriors? A little bit. Well, I guess if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, you're not worried. You're looking over at them going, well, they don't seem exactly right, do they? So, I'm not too worried about the Warriors. I mean, the only thing I'm you're worried right, about the you're Warriors. You're writing this off to dog days? I mean, dog days, injuries, shorthanded. So, the only thing I'm worried about the Warriors is that Draymond Green's calf injury is caused by a back problem. Like, to me, that's concerning. Their play on the court? Yeah. Like, they have one of the most impactful players in the NBA. Really, ironically, or maybe not ironically, but, you know, in many ways, very, very similar to Rudy Gobert. And they don't have him. They're not as good. And so they lose. Like, how did they lose the Pacers last night? That's how, insane. How did the Jazz lose to the Pacers? Are the Pacers suddenly good? No, because the Pacers didn't have Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, Demata Sabonis, and Miles Turner last night. So that team is not good. So the team hasn't been healthy in the last 10 games, and the Jazz aren't winning the championship if they aren't healthy. So, of course, they don't look good, and Jazz fans feel lousy right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of it. I hate that. I know it's so boring, and there's stuff that's not right. Like, So we've lost more double-digit second-half leads than any team in the NBA this year. Well, that's not good. Okay, that's not great. <laughs> that is not good. I did not now, know that stat. <laughs> You want to get on focus? There now it is. we can talk. There it is. I'll go there as focus. So we've lost seven games this year, in which we have led by double digits in the second half. We hadn't lost seven games. We led by double digits in the second half over the last two years. We were eighty and seven in that circumstance over the last two years. Now, all of a sudden, we're like 22 and 7. So, to me, that, now we're talking. The fact that we, and, and I think there's, I did this on my podcast today, and I don't know if you want to get into it. I actually think last year has become a really detrimentally false reference point to who we are as a team and a franchise. Because? I think it's actually a little problematic for us. Um I can get into that if you want to, but well, is that a simple? Uh, but anyway, the, the short short version of that is because they had the one seed, they basically caught the rabbit, and now they're viewed as they underachieved in the playoffs, and it's in everybody's head. No, is that what you're getting at? No, short version that in a COVID year with no practice, no shoot arounds, we were just way better prepared than everyone else. Mm, Our coaching okay. staff figured out a way to do it. Our players didn't get injuries and have COVID source continuity. We are, our players, our players kind of understood what we were doing on a regular basis. And so therefore, yeah, I see where you're going. Right. We just want, most yeah. teams didn't shoot around last year and didn't prepare. And so we got everyone. Had a roster with continuity, didn't need those shoot-arounds and practices as much as other teams did that had less continuity. Didn't have a long playoff run, so when the short turnaround happened, weren't impacted the same way the teams were that went to a conference final and NBA final. I see where you're going. And so I think that matters a lot to last year, that we're 52-20 and 20 is just maybe a false reference point for us. Um, 
And so we're one of the best teams in the West, which is what we were two years ago. We're probably, I don't know, like it's easy to say we're a piece short of a championship. And I get it. But like Milwaukee at this point last year was a piece short of a championship. And then they got a Miami team. It was all beat up in the playoffs. They gained some confidence. And then Kevin Durant's foot was just a little long. And then they got very fortunate and got an Atlanta team that wasn't ready to be where they were. So if we were to go get a playoff series tomorrow where we, let's say, started with the Clippers and Paul George was beat up and we got through that series and then in the second round we beat Phoenix on a last-second play where Chris Paul turned it over and then we got lucky and got a – there's not an equivalent Atlanta, I don't think, but like – in the Western Conference Finals, we go to the finals. Because it all lined up. Minnesota Timberwolves would have to be your equivalent to Atlanta in the West. Right. I actually thought that, and I just, right. But it's a very, you know, and they somehow snuck through. Like, yeah, that's 100%. That's that's kind of 100%. So I I don't know. I mean, we're not right. Let's not, let's not like, Pollyanna this thing. I think the blown uh, double-digit leads is a great point. And I think the blown – now I'm going to pile on a little bit. Like, I'm like I'm not totally clear on what's going on. So, I, I can float from one side of this issue to the other pretty fast. Um, so, if I'm going to now pile on a little bit, is the seven double-digit leads the same thing that blows a 3-1 series lead to the Nuggets and a 2-0 series lead to the – Clippers in a 25-point halftime lead in that game, right? Like, now are you going to stem take this back and say, this is that, there's the issue. Yes. There's, I, like, my gut that, rea- that's piling on. Yeah, my gut reaction is you're on to something there. So, you know, and then, but like, and so my thought on that is, it's actually the reason we don't, didn't used to lose, like, we've lost more games to below 500 teams this year than we did all of, again, I'm going to last year, is that same kind of question we started with, is that actually a fair concept to even go to last year because of what we talked about? But the, my, my feeling on that is that we were really good defensively. And so if you get up by 10, or if you are playing a lesser team and you're really good defensively, it's really hard for someone to beat you. And we're not very good defensively. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Do you know if. Do you want my next completely non scientific issue that's going on in the NBA? I have no way to prove this. This probably shouldn't. This is not my greatest moment. Um, I'm relatively convinced without any data to prove it because I can't figure out how to prove it. Guys are not coming back right after COVID. Well, taking, that I think taking, is a mixed taking bag. Long, taking longer than just coming out of health and safety protocols for you to play right. That, let's go with that. <clears throat> there, there are definitely, and I've definitely read stories with guys who are saying a month later, and I just, I don't have the wind. I, I can't, you know, I can't catch my breath. You know, six minutes. I mean, it's almost like hockey shifts for some of these guys. You know, they can come in and they can go hard, but they they can't play a full quarter. Right. I mean, they just can't. Now, I think there are other guys who are coming in, and they are. I think that's the crazy thing about COVID is that, you know, one person is asymptomatic, another person is sick, and another person is hospitalized. And for somebody else, it's fatal. You know, right. and, and you don't know 
who's who and it doesn't always make sense and you just got to go case by case for how it plays out. I've, I've even talked to some people here in town who've had it and the two times they had it were different. You know, one, one time they had it, they cruised through it. The other time they had it, it was pretty bad. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I know. So, uh, as I said, like, I was trying to play around with numbers. I don't know what I was going to try to find. Like, is it a four-game sequence, five-game sequence? But I just think we're just have, you know, that's that's worth noting that there's some, you know, I'm not sure if it's quite right. So, it's a hard, it's a hard season, I think. Like, here's what we're actually talking about, David, and this is at least from my standpoint where it's very difficult. So, we're talking about the dog days, which you brought up, 100%. These are the dog days. Like, this is, if you want to know how an NBA player believes about 41, it's not like, oh, cool, we're done with 41. It's, oh, dear God, there's 41 left. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's how they see it. So that's part one. Part two, we're dealing with a pandemic that is taking players in and out of the lineups at a really weird, inconsistent rate and at a high rate at one time for teams, right? You didn't used to have five players get hurt at one time. Number two, you're having a recovery from a pan- from COVID that we don't actually understand. Number three, we're coming off a season last year that was not normal or natural and might not actually be good data points by which we're having reference points. And that really makes all of this very difficult. Like, I mean, if you're Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck going into a trade deadline, I don't know what your reference point is on what you think this team – you're obviously watching what you're watching on the court, but, like, it's a very – I'd have a very hard time making decisions based on the last seven games. I'm not entirely sure I feel comfortable making decisions off 72 games of last year. So this is unrelated to everything else, but since you bring up the trade deadline, I'm curious how you value Jeremy Grant because he is the one guy, if he's actually going to be moved, and I'm not 100% clear on why Detroit's going to move him or if they should or if they will, I think if I were them, I wouldn't probably, but maybe you'll educate me on why I'm wrong about that. Uh, they're they're going to have cap room next year. They got fifty million coming off their salaries. They got Cunningham, number one pick, young talent. The Grant, if they add a piece or two to that, seems to me they could be at least decent pretty quickly. But if they do move him as a guy who's got some size and a guy who is definitely athletic and a guy who, when he's on good teams, can shoot the three well. He's got a couple of years in the league shooting at thirty nine percent. He's not doing it in Detroit now, uh, but I think if he were on a a good team, that number could come back up. He shoots free throws well. You can play him at the end of games, not worry about that. He checks a lot of boxes. If if he moves, can he really tip the balance of power? So, two, multiple things here. One is Detroit moves him if they get two first-round picks. Okay? That's yeah. what I've heard. Detroit, we don't have two first-round picks. Right. So, that eliminates us largely from the conversation. I think the biggest question you'd have to have on Jeremy Grant is Jeremy Grant got offered the exact same amount of money from Detroit as he did in Denver. But he went to Detroit because he wanted to prove that he was the man, that he could get the ball and he could make plays and he could be the guy instead of being a complimentary piece in Denver. Respect that 100%. But you better know where he is now. Because the player you just talked about is the fourth, if not fifth, option on the floor. And is he willing to be the fourth or fifth option on the floor? The last one I would say is I do think he's long and athletic and probably pretty good defensively, but he also just made a major career move based on offense, not defense, and that tells you something. 
Yeah. And I think it's interesting that Jazz fans think he's good defensively because Donovan Mitchell torched him in the bubble. <laughs> like, torched him. Like, it's so interesting to me that we, like, go back to Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant as these defensive players. Donovan killed both of them in the playoffs. Killed them. Well, the excuse, which I think Jazz fans should actually provide, is when you're really good and you're in the zone, you can make a lot of people look bad. And Donovan's really good and he's in the zone. And so he made him look bad. Okay. So, yeah, I'm just, I just was, you know, I've yeah. always had fun with that. Like, it's interesting yeah. to me that, like, our fan base is the one that, like, leaves Jeremy Grant. Well, and I'm I'm not completely convinced that he's coming to the Jazz. When I asked you if he changes the balance of power, you know, does he change the balance of power if he goes to any other team? Um, he would help the Lakers, but I don't know how they get that done. They don't right. have any draft picks either. An interesting trade deadline. The Lakers have no draft picks to trade. The Clippers have no draft picks to trade. Yeah. Jazz have no draft picks to trade. I just read a story about this. Yeah, you're right. Suns could probably do some things with Robert Sarver's not wanting to go over the luxury tax in his career. Um, unless he thinks it's his last gas, then maybe he does something. Um, you know, it's just an interest. The Warriors are so far over the luxury tax, I can't imagine them making, adding anything on. Um, so it's an interesting trade deadline, I think. And I, I mean, I'll be honest, I played trade machine last night. I went through every single roster on every single team. I didn't come up with a whole lot. All right, David, we will leave it there. We appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. You're the best. I hope you're good. And, uh, you know, all, all good things to David too. <laughs> well, right back at you, David. Thank you. Okay. See you, all buddy. Right, see ya. DJ PK. Yak's on the phone, which is odd because I think Yak wants to do something on the phone, but I don't want to say it and mess it up because I messed it up yesterday. I don't like to tease people. You want to do it now, Yak? You feeling it? All right, what do you got, Yak? So we got Jazz tickets. Uh huh. They are for next Wednesday against the Phoenix Suns. So that big showdown. Big game. Yeah, big showdown. Big game. Now people could be really depressed by that. True. By then, let me do math. You know, it's great when I do math on the radio. It could be Mm -hmm. ten of thirteen. Ten of (laughs) thirteen. No, even worse. Now it could be twelve of thirteen. No, it wouldn't be twelve of (laughs) thirteen. They play tonight. Sunday, Monday. So they've lost 7 of 10. There's three wins in there. Oh, okay. You're going the bigger picture. I'm, yeah, I'm going, going the shorter picture. term. Okay. I was going 2022. Gotcha. Okay. So it could get a lot worse. But we had tickets all the same. Let's On the more. other hand, they beat Detroit tonight. They split the road games with Golden State and Phoenix. People would be amped for that game. I'm having problems getting rid of that stat David had about the uh, blowing double-digit leads in the second half. That one's sticking with me. Well, if you want to... That one's sticking with me. Watch that not happen, hopefully... Call us right now. All right, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now, and you can win tickets to see the Jazz and the Suns next Wednesday. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. Here's what is great about what George Klebkoff said. I love the brutal honesty. I mean, if you can't look at a situation and assess it and, and call it what it is and say what it is, you're never going to improve. If you're constantly putting a Band-Aid on it and say, no, we're, we're in a good spot. We'll just, you know, just give us another year. Just give us, you know, it's a building year, you know, but, but man, next year things are going to be good. Next year never comes around. And when you can come out and make a very clear, very bold, very accurate and very honest statement, that's really kind of the first step to like making change. 
is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. we got the question up. On Twitter, David DJ James, who's going to play in the NFC title game? Who's going to play in the AFC title game? Big football games coming up. We're going to talk about that with Scott Mitchell. He is going to join us next. Flashback to his days in the NFL and uh, get his picks on the games. Right now, 40% of you believe Rams at Packers will be the NFC title game, although 38% think it'll be the Bucks at the Packers. And we got the conspiracy theorists saying, you know the NFL wants Brady and Rodgers. Watch the holding penalties closely. 32% of you think Bills at Titans for the AFC title game. Go to David DJ James. Vote. We'll keep you updated. Uh, One thing to run by Scott. I'm going to talk about this with him. The AFC now. and, And I got people tweeting at me about this. That the AFC title game. You know you want to see Mahomes and Burrow. Well, I do. That'd be great. But I'm not completely opposed to seeing Burrow versus Allen either. Teams don't completely ride their quarterback, but they largely do. And there are a lot of good young quarterbacks in the AFC. Who's a slam dunk? Who's probably going to make it? Who's probably not? Who has no chance? Here's a list of young quarterbacks in the NFL. Mahomes is 26, so next year he's 27, he's in his prime. But Mahomes and Baker Mayfield are both 26. Burrow, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson are 25. Herbert and Jones are 23. The Chargers and the Patriots are A, in the playoffs, B, eliminated at the last second of the last regular season game, and they've got 23-year-old quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is 22. That's eight really good, really young quarterbacks in the AFC. And I haven't mentioned anybody who went to Corner Canyon and BYU yet. So that's nine that have either shown something early or, in the case of Lawrence and, and Wilson, it's year one, they're high draft picks. Let's see where it goes. But you got five guys who've won playoff games. You got a sixth in Mac Jones who's been to the playoffs, and then you got Herbert who's right there. Threw for 5,000 yards, but the Raiders knocked him out in the final game. There could be some great rivalries. Now, some of these guys probably won't trend well, and the team will be giving up on him in three years. But it, who is that person? Well, we'll ask Scott Mitchell that next. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 the zone.